0: Welcome to the Leaders in Construction podcast with me, Stuart Wallace. This is where we tell the stories of construction industry leaders from all across the world in hope of inspiring others to show them that anything is possible. This week, I'm speaking to John McArdle, EU Unit Business Director for King & Moffat. Let's get into it. Right, John, thanks for taking the time to speak to us today. No
1: problem, Stuart. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me
0: perfect let's um let's take it back to where everything began where are you where are you originally from and what's your what was your kind of childhood like Wow. Well, so uh,
1: where did it begin um you can probably hear um from my accent I'm, I'm from Ireland so I'm from yeah. the the east coast of Ireland uh, a town called Dundalk so that would be kind of situated between Belfast and Dublin
0: you know right no it well
1: uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're bent, uh, we're, yeah. Well, uh, we um uh, constructs obviously the uh, the company that uh, found, I'm a founder of. We uh, we done a lot of work up on the Wooshy, uh Biologics uh, site up there. So oh. yeah, know know it well. Yeah. Excellent. Visited there, stayed there, had a few pints there. Yeah, lovely place. Great. You have
1: to you have to catch a match now. We've got a an excellent football team there, Dundalk Dundalk FC. But yeah, so uh growing up you, you would have uh, beside that wishy plant i don't know if you know a, a xerox a big sign for xerox yeah there's, there's a, a, a xerox facility there Now that formed kind of part of part of my story but i suppose just to go back before that my father uh was a plumber god love him you know so a noble trade uh one of the oldest ones and um yeah from a very young age you know every school holiday was you were off and you had a a kango hammer in your hand and you were breaking up floors for the for the pipes to go in and you were you're helping to you know grab any tools that he needed out of the toolbox you were uh, his, his runner yeah. basically and uh, so so i done that that's what i done uh, every single summer and Sometimes after school, uh, you know, in the in the longer evenings. And yeah, um did I enjoy it? I hadn't really got a choice back then. It was just <laughs> and uh and I, I get the book. Um but yeah, I know I did enjoy it. It was a great uh trade, as I say, you know, meeting different people every week, you know, especially in that plumbing trade and you were you know coming into people's houses and you know, fixing the heating system. So back then it was lovely. This was in the you know in the in the 80s and uh, you know very early 90s where people were completely different you are going into people's houses and they were making you dinner and or you know it wasn't just like bring up the plumber. <laughs> yeah. the buyer was walking. it was real it was a friendly thing but um so yeah and i walked away with my father then and obviously went to school uh, beside me here and on finishing my Leaving in Sair, that's your, your final kind of exam here in ireland uh, when i finished secondary school My mother was uh, was really wanted me to go on to college and uh, uh, be an engineer, but what was an engineer? I didn't really avail of the um, career guidance too well at school, you know. Yeah. But I done I done engineering at school. I knew I liked it, you know, and I excelled at that. Like my three uh, top subjects were engineer and technical graphics and technology, you know. So they were the the ones I wrote the really good marks on, but. it was a it was a thing that look I, I really just didn't know what i wanted to do so i fell back on what i did know and i took up the plumbing as a as a trade so i went in and i i done my apprenticeship started my apprenticeship and um yeah i got on well it was a four-year uh school in there and and how to become a plumber and my uh first real job was on that uh, Xerox site which was beside the Wishy site that uh that you know yeah. of so very small world of someone coming from Manchester now knows the, <laughs> the Wishy yeah, site but um yeah so I started working there uh, really as a as a piper and very quickly I was kind of promoted to be uh the pipers the pipe supervisor and I was leading a team of about 12 pipers for a a local contractor here so something then it didn't really click with me straight away but I kind of felt that leadership was in me somewhere the fact that I was I was the one that was kind of single out that was going to drag this bunch along and then get these uh, installations into a a kind of good quality.
0: I I was just going to ask on that John why was why do you think you was picked out at that stage what were you doing differently apart from obviously I know that being consistent is a big thing but
1: I think um over a lot there were, there were there was a young enough piping crew and I think just through my lifestyle from working with the father and all that I think I had a bit of a head start uh you know my father would always kind of you know push you. you know he he, he couldn't ask you know silly questions there was a lot of self you know teaching yourself and and being curious and 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 figuring out why things happen. So, when I did get into a job like that, I would be constantly asking questions, you know, and uh, why why is this pipe arrangement go to go together like this, and is there any way we could do that better, and uh, you know, just just being curious, uh, being respectful, uh, you know, getting in with the engineers, and and just really, you know not just coming into work with the lunchbox put and, yourself uh, out there so, so then, i think so you know i think i think it did you know and yeah it, it just kind of felt that yeah i'm a piper now but i'm not always gonna be a piper like you know and i wanted to you know just uh, expand myself whereas other guys were just kind of happy in up bit i guess you know um so going from that then um I was working on that uh, job, as I say, I we, we we finished that out, but there was um, a design company in the town that I was working in and it was part of that curiosity as well. Whilst you were on the, on the site and you were doing the installations, you were, you would be given a design, a design that was done by somebody else. Now, of course, for the next step for me was, you know, I could do that design, you know. So uh, there was a local design company in uh, in, the, in the Dundalk, and uh, I joined them. Um, they were a big enough consultancy; they had about five to six hundred consultants at the time, so a fairly big design consultancy. And I joined them really in a in a capacity, but that was kind of by accident. I was asked uh, would I come in and give some guidance on a project. Um, in relation to the mechanical systems and, and how arrangements could be uh, completed in a, in, a, in a better fashion. And they basically uh, asked me whether I come into the office and sit down with some of their designers and, and give them uh, some guidance on that end. But whilst uh, there, I got to see what they do. And I p- approached the director of the company and i asked him would there be a possibility of staying on here in a, in a full-time capacity and maybe getting some training in engineering uh, uh, like one man like I'm, I'm very grateful to because if he didn't turn around and say yes my life would be very different today i would have just kept on doing what i was doing but um yeah he he says that like he was never asked this before but Absolutely. If I'd be interested, he'd be interested in a, in, um, uh, if I was interested in a job there, he'd be interested in giving me the training on a part-time basis and supporting that, you know, with the company. So, uh, for there, for the next nine plus years, uh, while continuing my career, I was, uh, I was on the studying pad as well in the evenings. So a lot of, a uh, slog there, a lot of, um, long, long days when you were looking at all your, mates going partying or doing whatever you do when you're a young man. I was going off uh, with the books in my hand after work and, you know, working hard during the day. But it was great in that I could apply what I was learning in the evenings to to my daily job. So I stayed in the design business. Uh, You know, I finished up, the recession came in 2008. I finished up with that uh, consultancy. They actually moved uh, down the country. Uh, It didn't really suit me to... To move down to dublin at the time so uh, i joined another uh, local consultancy that was involved with the uh, uh, dublin terminal 2 project at dublin airport it was um it was a big job and it was it was one of the only big jobs that was happening in the, in the country during that recession everybody was there uh but um yeah i was there in a kind of a, a capacity of a, a coordinators kind of coordinating the the job it was a very interesting job because um i got to learn about um you know a lot of different services that was outside of my remit and you know work with lots of different people from different uh really my first um my first opportunity to work with people of different nationalities so there was a lot of specialisms there was a lot of uh, a lot of americans there the one company i was working for they had an american branch and they had a london branch and it was it was really good just to watch, you know, the two different Conf- ways. And which...
0: yeah, do, but, do, you think, um... do you think? Do you think? Do you think John, with the um, just talking about the recession, um, obviously one of the big projects that you were that you were on was probably one of the only big ones around at that time. Mm. Um, would you say the standard of of worker was higher just due to the way that the market was because there wasn't as much work? Do you think the Do you think that'd be correct to say, or do you say it, it didn't make a difference? Um...
1: It, it probably was, it was probably more people, but like Evan Nelson was still money led, you know, these projects like, uh, Dublin airport and governmental jobs, they run crazy over budget. And this one did too, you know, so I think it was nearly 500 million pound dearer than it was meant to be at the outset. Wow. But, um, but it was, um, yeah, like I think it being an airport, the quality was high. Any of it was a lot of, it was a lot of stainless steel barriers and fences and doors and things. You know, you wouldn't normally have seen people putting into the normal installs at the time. You know, into typical buildings. But uh, yeah, the, the standard—I don't know if you've been through that airport. It was—it was quite a yeah. high standard. You know, when I've, I've been to other airports, a lot of airports now throughout Europe, and I always—I always go back to Dublin Airport. and I always think, yeah, it's, it's one of the nice ones. You know, but uh, so so yeah, I guess the I guess the quality was good. Was it due to, um, uh, you know, the lack of work in other areas? Uh, yeah, could have had a good bit to do with it, Stuart. Yeah, also,
0: um, supply and, supply and demand, isn't it? For anything, and sometimes I always find it's sometimes it can be a bit of a negative. It's a, it's a positive thing because there's so much work right now, right? But it can be hmm. a negative if people seem to job hop, um. Or don't you know that because they know they've got something else there when you when you know these four of options available? Does that affect the way that you treat your current role? You know, sometimes that can be not for everybody, sometimes your blinkers can be on. And, um, I was having a chat with somebody the other day and I just thought I, you know, I'd ask the question at that time. Um, do you think no,
1: you know, it's, like it's, a, it, it's a very good point, Stuart? Because, um, you hadn't really got that opportunity to just say, right, you know what, it's getting a bit, uh, this 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 project's getting a bit tiresome and I'm just I'm just going to hop on to another job like that. Choice wasn't there. You, you got a you got a job, and you stuck it out. you know, I think one of the, the, the advantages of being Irish, uh, let's say, is that uh, we we've kind of had a history of that. You know, Ireland back in the old days, you would never think it now, but would have been one of the poorest countries and in Europe, you know, uh, if not even the world at one stage, you know, um, and a lot of, the your grandparents or parents that grew up and I, I know this would be true for uh, places in the UK as well. You know, they, they would have been like got a job. They would have protected that job really, really well, you know, and, uh, you know, a job was a, a job for life. And you take whatever was thrown at you. It's a very different culture we live in today, you know, and it's people have different expectations. And, uh, you know, we have to bend to 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 meet them. You know, that day is gone. Now where you just get a person in and treat them however however you like, and and they'll they'll stay with you.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's for the for the right reasons as well, isn't it? Because I think there there's been a lot of companies over the years that have mistreated their you know mistreated the staff, and again, if you don't have the options available, um, it's probably you know it's it's the candidates worse worse off. But I suppose now with with so many options again. I'm not saying it's completely right, but at least you, you're not stuck anymore and you do have, you know, you do have some options where you can find something that's suitable for your life and your family, et cetera.
1: Absolutely. You know, but I would back that though with uh, you do have to have some perseverance, you know, because I wouldn't have gone anywhere in my career if I didn't stick out, uh, you know, uh, in, in a role, in every role I was in. For a substantial period of time, you know, I always looked and said like five years is really optimal. You know what I mean? If you can last five years, you've seen the ups and downs. You've you've through bad projects and good projects. But um, nowadays it's more like three years, which is is still good. But going into a job for a year, leaving before the project's even done, you know, like most big projects are going to be a year, a year and a half you know you're not really getting the highs of and lows of a project you know and you could be leaving every time in the middle of a project because it gets you know it's it's just getting too too much for you but if you if you stick it out every job gets finished and you know it's 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 great to get a few of them Um, i think
0: i think you're absolutely right i think that if i look back even at my career um and i read something the other day as well that apparently it takes takes ten thousand hours to become an expert in anything right which i worked out to be Roughly around about five, five and a half years, right? To be class yourself as a not an expert, but somebody knows a lot about what they're doing. Um the thing is if you're kind of swapping and changing and you've got a year here and a year there, you actually don't weather the storm. And the thing that you learn from going through something that when you do want to quit, but you don't quit, it's the character that you build through them, through them scenarios that then you go on to be. Actually, you're probably you're better paid in the future because of them. Because when I look at it, hiring for my business now and somebody stays, has been at a business for five years, maybe another six years, I know they've weathered storms and I know that that person will survive for a storm with me. Um, whereas bringing in somebody who's done a year here, a year there, you don't actually know. Have they, have they, have they decided to jump at the time where it's got difficult? Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's what it, that's Absolutely. what it would look like.
1: Absolutely. Like I it's, it's, it's a test of a person and like, we looked at uh, we we were we were talking offline shortly beforehand just about uh, a marathon running you know and uh, oh, yeah. you went and done a marathon with no training or very very limited training. And, I appreciate uh, you
0: bringing that up, John.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hitting the wall at you know eight miles out, but sticking with it and finishing it. How many people would have give up, you know? And uh, it's the same when you're when you're working, It's it's them ones that just keep on going and are willing just to go with that. Uh, see it see it through. Are the, are the ones really that will uh go for us I think in their careers my personal and, views here
0: <laughs> no no I, I think I think you're absolutely right and I don't think that these old these old sayings about nothing good comes easy right and and it's I know there's loads of quotes and these uh, the narrative is you know you've you've got to struggle but I do feel like sometimes the world is going away from a bit of struggle and it isn't it's not not always the right way. I definitely think that struggle sometimes and certain types of stress is good for us because you you react to stress and and then you you and that's how you evolve. Um, if you don't have problems, you don't find solutions. So it's, if you've got an easy day and an easy ride all the time, you don't become better. And actually. Um, if you look at the statistics, I haven't got where it's come from, but I read something the other day, I think it was off Stephen Bartlett's podcast actually. Um, and it basically says that people need to be challenged. Most people in jobs want to be challenged. They don't want to have an easy ride. So, um, but when it comes, this it's obviously two things you can do. You can either stick it out and try and, and try and obviously get through it, or you can obviously give in. And I think that I think we've all you probably been in the same boat, John. You probably wanted to quit numerous times. And it, and I think if, it's that, if you've not told yourself you want to quit, that's not. It's not the point about that. You should probably sometimes should say that you should quit. I think it's. The, I think it's the overall of just not doing it and then doing the opposite, which is which creates the. You know. That's
1: the that's. that's exactly it. You know, and you know, and as I say, it's it's not a rule. It's not you must stay somewhere for uh, four or five years. If you if, if you do get yeah, it's a solid better opportunity and it's going to improve your career and bring you where you want to go grab it, you know what I mean? But uh, but just don't leave and go into another possession the same because it's a it's an easier it's an easier uh, it's an easier run by them. Yeah. But but that's yeah that's 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 where I was during the recession. And do you know I was I was very, very thank, thankful to both my mother who pushed me down the engineering route and and my father who I suppose was uh gave me that kind of interest in and in, plumbing and engineering and pipes because you know during the recession that was the only uh that was that was the engineering discipline that that nobody lost a job in you know it was like it was yeah. there was lots of work in that area as soon as they stopped building buildings they had to start maintaining the buildings they had already better you know and i mean i'm modifying them and uh, you know it, it was it was really the best thing i ever done in my life was go down the route of building services I had. and and engineering full stop you know so much from
0: engineering it's it's great but um so that, that combined with your design then that that combined with the design background how did that then take you into your leap you into that next part of your career yeah i
1: suppose the next part of my career was like after dublin uh dublin airport i went back in and started working in um the design end and that took me uh with a company who was looking after um frameworks for for hospital works you know so a lot of projects around hospitals and uh large universities so it, it was at a time we were working on a a, a very complex project i suppose that, that i designed and it was a it was a big energy project And I was the designer on it. Uh, And that's where I was meant to basically stop. That was my remit, Uh, apart from answering some questions during the construction phase and so on. But when it went to construction, um, there was a thing with the hostables that the projects would be managed in-house. And I could see that the project manager that was assigned to the job, he was really struggling with grabbing this big engineering project, As, as you would, you know. I've heard us a. A project yeah. manager, that, you know, the manager's multiple projects. There is a skill set you need for energy projects and things like that. But he, uh, I seen him, I seen he was struggling, and I was looking, it, it was going to be a lot more work for me. And why did I do it? Uh, I just it's in my nature, but I put my hand up and I said, do You know what? I'm going to help you. Uh, I don't want to take it from you. You're the project manager, but I'm going to make it look good. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do it because this is my project. I designed this, and I want to see it be. Uh, completed, uh, uh, completed well. So, uh, I, I did. I took on board. Um, I developed the Gantt charts. Uh, I took on the procurements. I took on the uh, taking on uh, the onboarding of all the contractors, managing the contractors, having the weekly basis, basically project management. So I was gone from the design end, uh, right into uh, with a with an installation background, right into the project management. And uh, it was, that was my uh, kind of first big role as a, as a, as a project manager today. You know, it was, it was a large project Um, and we, and you know, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, But whilst I enjoyed it, it was enjoying it. Uh, I was also very aware that uh, there was probably a lot of items i hadn't yet got in my my toolbox you know that would uh make me a, a great project manager so uh being the academic like i am then you know i've nothing better to do in my evenings uh, i decided <laughs> to go and do a a master's in uh in project and construction and management in the in the evening time so again i was getting them you know uh, skill sets of which, um how to run a, a a project how to understand really the to scope well and keep and keep that scope in terms of uh you know quality time and and cost you know and controlling big, them t- three major items you know
0: a big thing that's come up on the, the last couple of podcasts has been practical knowledge combined obviously with your you know your CPD um obviously you're mentioning that you constantly across the years you're developing yourself um as well as practical but the you know the educational side how did that really help you did that obviously you learned a lot on that project practically but then like when you did that course how did that help you was did it really improve your uh, your knowledge
1: you know it did it does give me a few a few different insights and um yeah like more skill sets more more knowledge of things you mightn't really have thought about like project management is a funny thing we all know it like if you read it it makes sense but it's a it's it's, it's having the ability to apply that knowledge uh, in a in a kind of uh, in a formal fashion, you know, to goes through the, the various stages of a project was, you know, I suppose what it gave me the most. Um, I'm not saying everybody, you know, has to go down that route, but it does help. You know, uh, you will learn a on the job. And uh, most of the best project managers I know out there have never went, you know, to a college and have really learned it on the job. But I think when you're moving fast and i know i wanted to move fast you know i wanted to to climb that ladder and and you know it it, it definitely it, it helped you um understand you know the, the basic project management principles and and how to apply them a lot better and um, i've always you know it's 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 the old way really isn't it like isn't that what an apprenticeship was you know uh, back in the yeah. day you were learning the practical skills and and it, it, it's it's much better not to take away from the academic system. But, you know, a guy that comes out of college uh, and goes to full time route, you know, that's why I always respected the part time route. And there's a good few of us out there in the world in similar places now in our careers um, because we were walking through the Did it, the did it myself? Getting at late on the night. Yeah, and it really is a, a, a good way to do it. Rather than yeah, someone who you know yeah they, they could they just went straight into college and come out after five years they're absolutely stone useless to you probably in the first you know yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. them first couple of weeks you know, months and that until they really develop them you know it's 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 it's, it's brilliant to uh, yeah to have the opportunity to develop your practical and your know, your academic skills uh, hand in hand you know absolutely. And-
0: so across the years then, John, what would you say is kind of the biggest failure? You obviously mentioned, uh, you didn't say it was a failure, but you mentioned obviously the projects where you, you jumped, you dived in head first, took the risk, became a project manager, learned a lot through the process. But what would you say, yeah, biggest failure and how did you kind of, what did you learn from it?
1: I suppose it was really, yeah, as you look back, it was probably moving too fast or I'm putting pressure on myself that, um, you know, that I... I, I have to know everything right now, you know, and uh, really having a bit of a stressful, you know, period in, in, in some of these projects. And by, I suppose, not having the, the experience that, you know, these, these projects, the, the they all come to an end and do it all, the start is always great and everybody's like, a. You know, shaking hands, and the middle is always ugly, and the, you know, the, the end, everybody's clapping each other on the backs again. You know, it's really, you know, having that experience. Whereas, you know, I think sometimes in the in the middle of the, if the projects, I would have, you know, I wouldn't be saying maybe panicking or maybe making rush decisions or or worrying, you know, rather than just like slowing down and and and. Not slowing down the project obviously you can't do that, but slowing slowing down your own thought yeah. t- processes and you know realizing like the the, the bigger picture you know that you're you, you're in a mix here, but you know everything can be can be worked out you know and and you know work well with those around you uh, keep you know keep voicing your opinions you know a lot of people sit you know into uh, sit there at their desk and, and maybe dwell in their own sufferings, you know, it's, a, it's yeah. be vocal, be vocal as much as you can. Um, uh, you know, advice those ideas and, 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 and be curious and collaborate and, you know, no problem. A problem is a big problem if it's not shared, but as soon as you start sharing it, that problem gets smaller and smaller and, you know, and knowing that when you're in the middle of a project and it looks like, you know, you can't see the, 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 the wood through the trees, you know, it's just, it's, I think that was the, the greatest lesson I kind of learned from um, from projects uh, over, over over my lifetime. You know, is, um, don't make rash decisions in the middle of them, you know, uh, stick with it, keep your head and um, you know, everyone will or should if everything's working <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, come together. And, come together, okay.
0: And how how did you um how did you reduce stress? What was did you have any methods of reducing stress through the process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, I am uh, a person that's always kind of um, looking at new methods to reduce stress and do t- uh, other things like my my thing now is have uh, habits. You know, you need to form habits, daily habits that, that just let you, uh, you, you know, keep, 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 keep real, I suppose, you know, uh, like one good thing, like I, I try to have to admit I went off with a wee bit now, it's getting cold out there and it's, it's, dark in the mornings, but I, you know, getting up early before work, you know, is a, is a big thing for me now, you know, so um, I try to get up at 5am, um, I sit down, I, Try to visualize my day. Work out what I'm going to do. Uh, write down, take a few notes, and, and get a bit of exercise in. So when uh, you start your day, you, you're already you're already prepared. You know, I think that's the best way to combat stress. You know, is uh, is, is putting in some absolutely. You know, and. Uh, yeah, so that that was just one method. I also uh, went down the the Wim Hof method as well, where I take cold showers, you know. <laughs> so it's a, yeah, it's a, I another I know the whole way to, to, uh, control but, your
0: hmm? how, how are how you finding them? I do um. So I do a lot of cold showers myself. Um, just moved to a new location now, and the gym's an old school one as well. So actually, the showers there don't have a hot. So it's just Arctic, yeah. you know, cold. Yeah. Um so um but how, how are you finding them I do feel like it does de-stress you in it I, th- uh,
1: I find it really good you know and um I suppose it gets to people in different ways and, and why it de-stresses you yeah, is you know everybody is has different views in it but uh I was really really good when I started about maybe three years ago and it all started from a haircut you know went didn't get a haircut and the barber was telling me uh, yeah she's doing this thing off, you know and that's, <laughs> I said, "Oh yeah, that sounds interesting and um yeah so from there uh, you know i started again i'm like that i'm engineering very disciplined i got this app you know and you had to follow it you know so many days and you know you know yourself i don't know if you ever
0: have
1: done it, it uh, atomic habits or i've ever read that book yeah. you know and you know the formation of habits you know it's uh it takes if you can get through the first 22 days and you're kind of on your way then so, uh, yeah, I started taking the cold showers, and I suppose for me, what it was it was the idea of the cold shower, like, it was tough, you know, and it was like two and a half minutes of a cold shower you're trying to take in the morning or three minutes, but it, and it never gets easy. So, if you're walking into a freezing cold shower in the morning, especially in a winter morning, nothing you meet that day is know. going to be tougher than that, you know what I mean? Like, that was, you yeah. know, uh, and it works, you know. And uh, yeah, so i recommend so it. it yeah.
0: yeah, no, I, I tried to get a lot of my team to do it, but I don't think they were having it. But um, I actually got my yeah. old boss into it, he started doing it. Um, in the end, I was getting up to about sort of 10 minutes, just and I used to have a timer. I remember putting a timer on my phone just outside of the shower, and just I, and the, the, the awkward thing with a shower, which I find an ice bath is actually sometimes easier, is with a shower, depending on obviously the head of it. Is it drips in certain places and you're kind of trying to get your whole body under it so you feel cold. And it, yeah. um, but um, you, you're absolutely right at the moment. And I think you, it, the weird thing is it's supposed to de-stress you. It actually, psych, I think, scientifically stresses your body. So it's a mm. de stressor but it stresses your body. But I think post that, there's not much, like you said, that you can really take because you're just thinking you, your body's already been through a stressful situation. So, yeah, what, what other habits do you do? You, do, you do?
1: And yeah, like, I, I, I try to read as much as I can. I've, uh, and now at the moment, I'm a Duolingo. I'm really stuck at that because I'm trying to learn different languages, uh, grammar and uh, yeah, I've got a, a, an app Elevate which I do every morning as well. It just puts you through the, you know, languages, maths, conversions. So, so it does a little 20, 15, 20 minute test there in the morning just to What's that called? Elevate. It's actually a really good one. Yeah, Elevate. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, it kind of measures your, I suppose your, your brain power or whatever that may be, and um, in, in, across different categories like maths and language and uh, speaking and so on. But um, and then it then it rates you, it gives you where you are against everybody else that uses the app so it's kind of a challenge there as well you know you, you want to get up to the top of the league yeah so it's a uh, it's really good you know um so that's it yeah and then just you know even a bit of silence you know in the morning as well it's great you know it's it's the only time you get silence and uh just probably sit there for five or ten minutes in the morning and just think of up <laughs> it's, it's great have your coffee so yeah if, if, if morning routine is uh is probably my biggest habit and outside of that then you know i do marathons and that but they're really uh, automatic now and when you get into your 40s you have to do something to keep the belly off and you know, so i have to I, i've got bigger motivation for them once but yeah
0: and what obviously your, your new position i know you you were just mentioning um obviously you're you're learning another language presume it's German. uh german sorry with your with your new role and going over, it to, is, German. It,
1: it, ab- absolutely it is chairman uh but please do not ask me to speak any <laughs> 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 uh, I'm, I'm getting down so it's funny i don't know all my mind works. i can actually i can read it like i can nearly read a story now but i can't you know uh, vocalize it, yet. it so i need to uh yeah really get over there and uh, immerse myself and you know guys in my my job they're asking me oh, how am i how am i going to do it? and there is it. And you know i'm just keen and i'm going to go over there i'm going to find myself a, a grocer they can only speak german and a <laughs> and a, a barber they can only speak german and i might get a few bad haircuts but i'll pick up uh, a few lines you know so
0: yeah i think um i think it's quite hard anyway because if you if you look at the you know the different uh even if you look at just in the uk or ireland and all the different locations and everybody speaks slightly different right so when you think you mm. learn a language and you go over to somewhere you, you just expect to learn it but they have slang they have their own ways of speaking so yours is you know sometimes you end up you speak the very much the google translate way you know <laughs> so it's um, yeah. yeah
1: absolutely i mean i like you know how lucky are we to have been born with the english language you know or before- um, but that gives us a real sense of laziness then and entitlement, you know, because like, like every other country can speak, you know, multiple languages, but yeah, no, we, we know they can all speak English, so we take benefit yeah. of that. And, you know, in the sector we're working in, in you know, uh, I suppose predominantly myself now, it's been data centers for the last few years and, and that's where it will be for me for the next uh, lot of years. But, uh, you know, them, them contracts like, uh, they're carried out in the English language, you know, so it's uh, we're very lucky in that sense.
0: And just obviously, uh, bringing up obviously your current role, and what does the, what does the next sort of five years look like for you? I know you've just joined King uh, King of Moffat now. Um, where do you see it? Yeah. Very early days, yeah. obviously, early days, but
1: yeah, look, I I, I think uh, you know, uh, I think it's going to be busy, it's going to be very busy. So, I have been working in the data center industry for for, for quite a while now, Uh, I love it you know, the data center industry for me was just uh, you know, something I always thought was going to happen at some stage when I was young and I couldn't wait for it to happen in that uh, the mechanical and electrical industry uh, you know, they are the driver of the data center and all I remember growing up and my first projects, whether it would be a sports center somewhere or a shopping center it was you were always sitting in these meetings and to be you know the architect and you know the civil engineer structure uh structural guys and then you were the m e you know designer and nobody cared <laughs> you're us the lights and all that rubbish you know it's about building you know what i mean and more are the guys that do the building but it's it's totally flipped now that you know these data centers like you know 70 80 percent of the cost of these data centers is the mechanical and electrical equipment that's like uh, between the walls and uh you know it's a it's it's it's, it's a really enjoyable trade and it's great to be part of it where uh, where's it going to go in the next uh, five years 10 years it's 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 gonna it's gonna be three times bigger uh, at least you know it's it's just to say there's 70 billion devices going to come online in the next uh, 10 years like crazy you know it's it's mega you know and all that infrastructure is going to be needed to um uh, you know to, to, to feed that demand uh as yet to come and you know king and Moffat are you know a, a really solid organized company that is there to uh to grow and and take advantage of the opportunities that that lie within that so so yeah it's gonna and be a, it's gonna be busy do you talk about
0: the um do you talk about the data center industry and and obviously the, the MEP side being, you know, the predominantly sort of 70 to 80% of the actual scope of works. What is, what would you say the biggest challenges would, uh, in in that world right now?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it would, absolutely. It's getting people, you know. Uh, it,
0: funny is it, I suppose long may, long may it continue if that's
1: why it was people and it still obviously is people getting and people the good people and retaining them is a problem now at the moment it's it's kind of materials have come up uh, with that now as well obviously with with COVID it uh, was a lot of manufacturing had stopped or slowed down and uh, now you've got this ongoing war uh, in Ukraine and it's uh, it's really stressing um, lead times for for any type of uh, electronic equipment, you know, and that, that's a big challenge, you know. So so that and the people, a, it's a, the whole industry is a challenge now at the moment, really, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's recognizing those challenges and putting in the strategies to deal with them is, uh, you know, a big part of the job at the moment. So... It's
0: just- some of the core challenges being obviously the people which you mentioned and obviously the materials and shortages the two two different problems but how do you combat them both like what's how do you obviously it's not a, you don't ever find one solution or one size fits all approach but what are the kind of things that you've taken out in the past because this is obviously been an ongoing thing for the past couple of years
1: yeah look I, I think i think materials is probably added to a more straightforward one you know it, uh, it's uh it's 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 Grow your supply chain you know uh, increase your networks and you know if you if you have to order in advance uh, get materials on order sooner uh, recognize that you know items such as light fittings they weren't the a long lead item once upon a time now they are so to so get in there early bring them up uh, as early as possible if you know these are going to be issues and um, yeah see try and do as much as you can yourself you know like uh, kingham have a kingham uh, Moffat of a a very large invested into off-site uh hugely you know they've got a great facility uh here at the headquarters in carrick and shannon and uh, a fabulous facility and it's a uh, it's using that as much as possible to where you can you can stock up on your metals your pipes your steels, and uh you know prefab you're ready for prefab and then you know you have the materials you can you can build them in your offsite facility and bring them to site as as ready-made uh, uh installations and that also helps you with the uh employment people end of it because you've got you know a base there where where people can have continuous work and uh, be developed i think a lot of um the issues now with Retaining people, uh, and it is money. You, a lot of people jump around for a few extra bob here or there, but if you really got down to it, a lot of them people are jumping really because they're just they're not happy either. They like, you can, know and that's probably as much of, of the issue. Yeah, they'll go for the extra few pounds, but they mightn't go if <laughs> if there was more in place to, to help retain them. And I, I think one of the, the big items there is having a very clear a uh, progression path for them you know not many people think about the progression of their uh of their staff and, and how they're going to grow their careers for help them grow their careers and uh, if you can put in a clear path for that i think it's a uh, it, it, it will help you retain the staff um, also more engagement you know between you know your kind of headquarters and your your on-site teams you know it's it can become um, a very long distance relationship, you know, but trying to uh, bring that closer together, um, you know, and I know in previous employments I had, you know, I was working in the the operations uh, role as operations director. And I really, I really seen that because I was really on that uh, middle between the, the, the site and back in the office and, you know, like you can see that you know there's a it, 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 there is a long distance relationship there that needs to be uh, worked on and, and and needs to be get everybody involved and be more more inclusive in the company. So
0: you, you mentioned obviously progression now and it, uh, obviously I'm I'm a big believer in this and I read a lot about it, that that people are happiest when they are progressing. Um, no matter what you know what they're doing so I think that you're completely right from what we see in the industry for why people leave jobs it's never the money is not always the biggest driver and if it is the biggest driver um, sometimes the driver if it is the biggest driver you can get it if they're being underpaid really underpaid and they've got a lifestyle change that they just have to go and you know seek something that pays them more but nine times out of ten it's something more like you said you're absolutely right it's they're not enjoying the job. It's the it's the bosses that they're working for that are just not engaging with them, communicating with them, giving them a vision to. You know, they're asking them to do something, but not they don't they don't have any vision of what they're trying to aim towards. Um like I said, the, the teammates around them, it's the camaraderie, being on site, and especially if you're staying away, it's being looked after. You know, simple things like your accommodation, the logistics, how easy is it getting from A to B? Do you let them the travel days, which we see, especially with you know rotational work, is it? can you you know can they leave early enough to get back to the families and being flexible around them things when they do get a call from a recruiter which there's just millions of them anyway right or um or another company they might turn around and say do you know what no i'm quite happy where i am quite happy and it would have and it would have to be something that broke the bank to really change their life and there's not many of them anyway so that's yeah you're you're absolutely right that's how you retain staff
1: I'm- yeah absolutely and like we've we, we, we've been fabulous uh hr team back in Kingham off you know and you know it's it's, it's not my ideas they, they it's just them that brought this to to my attention you know what i mean and uh in, in fairness to them they've recognized this and, and and they really really push it push it strong you know to have that um apprenticeship scheme going and then right through to engineering you know and cpd and helping people with courses or whatever they need to to go where they want to go.
0: <laughs> Perfect. And just just for the listeners, John, what's your, your 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 new job title and your new role within King of Moffat in Frankfurt?
1: Yeah, well, I'm an EU Business Unit Director. So my main role is, I suppose, to to work with what uh, King of Moffat has done already, which is 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 amazing. Really, you know, they're a, they're a big company. They're working in a lot of different countries and. And I had work with them and develop the strategies to uh, expand on that more, increase the uh, supply chain, as we, we've talked about, and uh, develop more uh, more opportunities and in, in areas that we, we were already operating in. Next, like, so uh, moving to Frankfurt, uh, we we recognise Frankfurt has has one of the biggest hubs it has always been and it still continues to be. Um, maybe the fastest growing area for data center development. And it's, which is why we're really planting ourselves there now and uh, using data as a base to, you know, grow them existing networks and, and develop new networks uh, and, and reach out from there into, yeah, anywhere in Europe, really real service, you know. So as King of Office is a company, they operate Denmark, they operate in Belgium, Portugal, yeah, we're looking in Spain, so it's a, it's a far-reaching uh, role. But um, yeah, it's, uh, we we're working hard on it, and you know we're coming up with uh, the right strategies to get to where we want to go.
0: Onwards and upwards, and a busy twenty twenty three for you and and the company. Then, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, let's, let's finish off with some light-hearted stuff anyway, okay? So um, I'm going to ask you 10 questions. You've just got to fire over a quick answer to me. Um, you can give a bit of an explanation anyway, right? But um, So what would be your favourite film of all time?
1: Oh, Godfather 2. That's an easy one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. Favourite sport? Uh,
1: my favourite sport used to be... Um soccer but i have to i'm a manchester united uh supporter so i haven't had yes. a of good years yeah. but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah uh, i i i feel good times are coming again yeah. soon yeah so yeah
0: if you, if you watch all the players in the world cup right now all of you know all the players look really good so well they have to yeah. uh, of them have, gone out. Uh,
1: I have to say Casemiro was good uh, martinez was good you know so yeah
0: we're bruno we're
1: right yeah. absolutely
0: yeah um What's your favourite music genre and artist, if you have one?
1: Um, I really secretly like Oasis, and I have it as a kid, and always did, and it's one of them things you can get a lot of stick off, because it's a uh, uh, love-hate, uh, but you know, I really watched uh, the documentary uh, with Liam Gallagher, you know, the kind of behind-the-scenes ones there uh, recently on, uh, on Netflix, and it was uh, yeah. it's a good show, and... Uh, yeah, something still cool about uh, Liam and uh, yeah Oasis. You turn on Oasis, everybody knows the words and uh, they're great sing along songs. Yeah, I'm still there. Yeah.
0: Do, you, do you like the um, do you like indie, that indie sort of era where it's like you know the Stone Roses and Oasis that type of that type. Of you music. know,
1: I do, but you I could turn on really the radio and listen to anything, and I don't think there's any type of music I don't like. You know, that's yeah I have some wild funny taste of music but um I think if I was going to pick out one band just because they were from childhood and I still listen to them It'd be oasis but yeah I, I, I can listen to pretty much anything
0: yeah you got if you if you could have a coffee with any historical figure alive or dead, who would it be and why Um,
1: I think alive would be Alex Ferguson. you know I think as a leader of maine, uh, you'll never find a, a better one, you know, especially nearly coming to the end of his career when he would some of the weaker teams and he was still able to knock out them Premier League wins. I think amazing man. Uh, uh, I also like to have a flutter on the horses and so does he. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to, uh, I think Alex Adams, yeah, really a, st- a historical dead uh, figure. I think Abraham Lincoln uh, would be a man. Abraham Lincoln just uh, started studying law in his 40s. Came president of America, it does he just meant to show you that you know it doesn't matter what age you get to in life, you know, you can really, you know, accomplish great things, change your life and accomplish great things and, and he, he done it and an amazing an amazing man when you when you start to watch some of the documentaries or read some of the, the stories about him. So
0: yeah. Perfect. What's your favourite colour?
1: Blue. But not man city. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: What's your What's your favourite meal?
1: It's eh, spaghetti is at the minute. I suppose eating with a bit of pasta, in it, I like it. Yeah. Eh, hard to be a good steak there as well, but if not a, not an everyday occurrence, I think I eat a bit of pasta every day. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's
0: pasta. your What's your worst sport?
1: Cricket. Yeah, we're I mean, not the better. Still, Yeah. Yeah.
0: It just that that keeps coming up. Believe it or not, cricket's been named yeah. every single time. Jesus, is it that bad? <laughs> uh, what's your um? What's a TV show that you you dislike the most? That if somebody's got it, you know, your partner's got it on, and you're like, oh, that's going off. Um. Well, uh,
1: my apologies. Uh, all the women, uh, ladies out there, or guys, <laughs> or people in the UK, that love soaps and they like to be stenders and that—I just cannot do it. You know, it's uh, <laughs> any of them, any of the soaps really. I wouldn't even pick out one. I just think there's such a waste of life <laughs> sitting there <down laughs> at seven, yeah. seven o'clock to eight o'clock or whatever it is to run through a couple of soaps every single day. You know.
0: Not for me. To be honest, it's the, it does it reminds me of when my uh, when I used to come home from school and honestly from 7 o'clock till 8, half 8, or even sometimes when EastEnders was double, oh, my God, my mum used to watch it and it used to depress the life out of me. And sometimes I'd be, I think we lived in a uh, two-bedroom house at the time, my sister would be upstairs and there was no TV in the other room. I just had to sit there. And there were no phones back then either where you could sit on your phone and get away from it. <laughs> Jesus, i uh, 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 with you. Yeah. You know. uh, yeah, what's what would, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? It can be business, it can be personal, and it's gonna. And after you say it, you've got to still want to maintain your job.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, lots of embarrassing things happen to me now. Like I you know, I've uh, if I haven't I've been busy in my own thing, and i walking into poles and things like that. Yeah, but um, <laughs> leaving my uh, I, a couple of things leaving. From one where it was actually whip people when you're uh, you're in the airport and you're having a coffee and you're way down at your gate and you get a call over the uh, uh, PA system can John McCarrow come and pick up his bag please from uh, the baggage control leaving your suitcase behind you at baggage control yeah I've done that one a couple of times so <laughs> that's, that's a pretty a pretty yeah. embarrassing thing that happens when you're around ace around here. Yeah?
0: just looking you're looking around thinking i hope there's there's no other john mcardles in here yeah <laughs> um, that's it. what's um is it if you could nominate it's this last question if you could nominate anybody to come onto the podcast next that you know or you might not have even spoke to before but you, you think Do you know what i'd love to hear their story who would it be um yeah there's um
1: there's a guy who who um kind of worked with me and um, his name is stephen griffin he kind of went off in a different um tangent i suppose that i did after college and went into kind of like the life sciences and, and that kind of area but he made him a really a really good career for himself and uh yeah he's getting on well that'll be i just like the yeah to see how he'd get on because, uh, as I say, I was at school and didn't really get on well. Follow him on LinkedIn, see he's going well. He's a, a director now for Excite and yeah, a really good guy. Uh, he was actually, when I was sitting in in very first day in college in 2004, and you had to turn around to the person say, you know, like one of these ridiculous things that uh, the teacher asked people first and find out as much as you can about the person next year because you have to stand up and talk about them. So he was the guy that I sit next to. And, uh, right. Yeah, a good, good guy, Stephen. So, yeah, be interested to hear him.
0: Perfect. Right, John, well, look, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak to us today. It's been a pleasure, mate. Yeah, thanks
1: very much, Julia. Yeah, likewise. And, uh, yeah, I hope to be welcome with you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Leaders in Construction podcast with me, Stuart Wallace. I hope this episode has inspired you in more ways than one. Until next time.